So we're going to read from Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and the end of the Gospel of Matthew. If you'd like, you can just listen. Um, if you don't have a Bible, please take one of ours. We'd love for you to have one. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your word. Pray, God, that you would help us to hear it and to see it moving into our own lives, churning up the soil of our souls. God, I pray that you would help us to respond with love and with obedience, that your name would be made great. Your promise to Abram would reach its fulfillment as we walk with you until the very end. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So today uh, we are moving on in our series that we've been doing this summer, Why We Do What We Do. And at the end of our uh, worship service, we have a slightly modified version of a benediction and that's something that we've done in our church for the entire existence of our church. For as long as I can remember back to our days in the bar in Black Mountain to now. That we don't just conclude with saying be blessed. But we conclude with a commissioning. That you are sent from this place every single week to go be on mission with Jesus. And there is a reason why we do that. So this morning we're talking about why we go on mission. In addition to that, we and as part of that, we today are going to, as a body, commission and, and send and pray for uh, Ricky and Jessica Parlier, who are leaving, who are going uh, to, in some senses, to the ends of the earth. So we're going to pray for them together and send them. But we're not going to do that until our kids come back so they can be a part and understand that God is calling them and sending them as well. Uh, we read here from Genesis chapter 12 because in many ways this is uh, the real clarification, the initiation of the mission of God in the biblical story. If you're reading the book of Genesis... 
God intends the world to be good. He makes it that way. The whole world is fractured and broken open by the sin of humanity. And in the moment where they should die in judgment, God does not destroy them, but instead speaks of the day when he will destroy the destroyer. And as you read the beginning of the, the, the book of Genesis, it seems like this is not going to work out. There is a lot of death there's a lot of destruction on a very large scale. And then all of a sudden in Genesis chapter 12, the story shifts dramatically away from these massive stories of global implication to very narrow focus on one man, one family, Abraham's family. You can look above Genesis chapter 12 and all that really precedes this is a genealogy. There's nothing about Abram really about who he is or anything he does. Just all of a sudden in Genesis chapter 12, God starts talking to this man and he says, through you, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. I'll give you a legacy. I'll give you an inheritance. And he says, through you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. And so God makes clear that his vision for what God is going to accomplish in the world is worldwide. He's speaking to one man, Abram, whose name will be changed to Abraham, but he makes clear that Abram's blessing, Abram's walk with God, is not merely and only about his biological family, but it is about all the families of the earth. And as you read the story of the Old Testament, it can be easy at times to lose sight that this is actually what God is doing in the story of his own people. Because everything seems to be about Israel's toing and froing, their failures and a few successes, and remembering to follow the God of Israel in faithfulness. They largely fail in their attempts to do so. They forget time and time again, so that as you read the Old Testament, you wonder as you reflect back on Genesis 12, how can this possibly be what God is doing? Abram's family is a mess. They are a disaster. If you read the Old Testament trying to figure out what God is telling you about how you should behave by the behavior of the Israelites, you will be a messed up person. Because these people largely do the wrong thing and every moment they should do the right thing. And lest you think this is just those silly Israelites, a few moments of self-reflection probably reveal you to be one of those people as well. I am also the one who regularly knows what I ought to do, do not do it, and often feel that I cannot do it. 
And so Israel is not some bizarrely bad people or uniquely good people. They are just the people that God is working with and working through. And the question hangs over the entire Old Testament text. How will God accomplish what he has said he will accomplish? And into the story of Israel steps one Israelite who is different from every other Israelite ever. Because this Israelite is a faithful Israelite. This man is a faithful man. And he brings upon himself all the burden of this covenant with Abraham. And instead of being the one upon whom the curse of God should rest, he, the blessed one, turns and gives away the blessing of Abram's God to all of us who should be cursed. In Jesus of Nazareth, the hope of Abram's family becomes incredibly clear and the surprising victory of God to defeat the destroyer who we feel lurking in the atmosphere of the world that we live in and swimming in our very own bloodstream. When the body of Jesus is broken and crushed and his blood is shed and he emerges on the other side of the enemy's worst tool, the grave, and demonstrates his own conquest. In this moment, in Matthew chapter 28, it is the great pivot to all the peoples of the earth. Because these, these gathered representatives of Israel's family, watch as Jesus, from the top of that mountain, ascends into heaven, and leaves them with this task. Go to all the peoples of the earth and bring them in to this, the thing that Jesus was doing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey. The mission of God does not start in Matthew chapter 28. The mission of God is clarified, crystallized, and launched to the ends of the earth in Matthew chapter 28. And we are the recipients of the Great Commission. This thing that Jesus has sent out this group of people who, if you are paying attention, both worship him and doubt him, these people, in fact, do begin to go to the ends of the earth doing what Jesus has commanded and instructed. And if you are in this room as a believer and a follower of Jesus, you are in the lineage of this promise, not just given in Matthew chapter 28, but in Genesis 12, so that we confess we are Abraham's children. We have received the blessing of Abraham just as God has promised 
thousands of years ago that all the peoples of the earth, we are some of those peoples. And you cannot read the biblical story without understanding that it is rushing towards an end. And you and I are caught up in the movement of God's story. So why we go on mission is because we serve a God who has been on mission for the entirety of humanity's existence. We do not serve a God who is passively observed, who has wound up the universe to tick down to an inevitable end, but has instead made all things, held all things together, and has moved in and through as much as above history to bring things to his desired conclusion that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. And so now we are his people who are sent to this task as agents of his blessing. We accept that task and move towards the enormity of something that we cannot ourselves accomplish. Just because we are Abraham's children does not make us entirely different from Abraham. Even though we are on this side of Jesus, we are still the kind of people who in our own lives feel the toing and froing of success and failure and following God. And yet, just as Abraham received the fullness and the largeness of that promise, so do we. And we are called each and every single one of us, with all that we are and all that we have, to move with God as he resolves, he commits to bless all the peoples of the earth. We go with him to do the thing that Jesus called us to do. To bring them to the place that we talked about a few weeks ago. The place where the God himself would put his name on their head and make them in union with him. The life of God would move its way through all the various fragments of the earth. And no matter the language group, no matter the sin to which you were found in, you are unified to the divine life and made new in a way that banishes the curse. So here is how we go. When we say things like we are going to do work at Owen Middle School, we are not involved in some just charity case. We are not just doing good things so that we can feel better about ourselves. We understand that what God desires for the world is evidences of his own reign and rule in the world. And in Jesus' kingdom, children are loved and cared for and provided when Jesus says to disciples, when you feed the hungry, you do it to me. 
When you give a cup of water to the thirsty, you do it as unto me. Because the heart of the king is for all of those who are enmeshed and crushed by sin. So we go to clean the grounds of a middle school because we want to be agents of the blessing of God in the world. I don't particularly care for yard work. I hate that every Saturday from April to October, I am shoving my lawnmower up a very large hill. I do not like mowing the lawn. I am not going to Owen Middle School because I enjoy the labor. I am going to Owen Middle School because I understand that God has labored on my behalf and come to me to bless me. And the nature of the King Jesus that I know goes to places like that. You do not have to have a student at Owen Middle School to look at Owen Middle School and say, I want those people to be blessed. And that principle applies across the diversity and the varieties of life that you and I find in this valley. I do not have to have anything in common with the homeless person to want them to have a home. I don't have to love clothes or be related to the person who is threadbare and cold at night to want them to be warm. Because in Jesus' kingdom, people are warm, they have a home, and they have food. And so we extend the blessing of the king wherever we go. And that's why Christians should be, of all people, the most invested in all the ways that we can demonstrate the generosity and the blessing of the king. That is why we are comfortable saying, of course we're going to talk about things that are affecting the welfare and the goodness of people in this valley. Of course we care about things like education. Of course, we care about things like what happens to the environment and how people find food and how people find labor. And we are not deviating from the gospel. We are not deviating from the mission by talking about those things. It is because God has invaded the world, brought his kingdom, that we say the king cares about those things. And if the king cares, then I have to care. And if the king wants the people to be blessed, then I will have to want the people to be blessed. So I'm not going to evacuate that and in the name of mission, think that all I must do is find a street corner upon which to hand out tracts. Mission moves towards brokenness as an agent of the healing that is only found in Jesus. Now the other side of the equation is we are not just doing good works in the world. We are not called to just go be nice people. There are lots of nice people in the world and not many of them are Christians. I don't mean that to dunk on Christians. I'm saying there's a lot of people in the world, in our country, who are not Christians and many of them are very lovely people. They will continue to be lovely, charitable, and kind people. People who would join us in cleaning up at the middle school. 
Who would join us in clothing the naked and feeding the hungry and giving water to the thirsty? Jesus said what we are called to is to disciple people and to teach them. In other words, you and I have to be people who don't just walk and do nice things, but also talk and say the best things. That we have to be a kind of people that regularly put the name of Jesus into our conversations with the people that we say that we love and we care for. In other words, we will gladly serve and bless the world and give signs of the goodness of the king, but we refuse to do that without speaking his name. And you are likely to find yourself with a foot in either camp. I, I am comfortable doing nothing but talking a good game, or I am comfortable doing everything and talking nothing of the name of Jesus. And if that is you in this room, you are normal. I'm not shaming you. I'm describing what is normal for us based on a lot of things about our personality and the way we grew up and how we think about the world. But Jesus makes us uncomfortable. And Jesus says, go and bless all the peoples of the earth and tell them why you've done it. Because I have sent you. I have sent you to show them and tell them that the king has come. And that there is hope for you beyond the meal that you find in front of you this one moment. But instead there is a table with the king. Upon which you can find a feast forever. When Jesus sends his disciples into the world, his promise to them is not success. His promise to them is not comfort. His promise to them is only himself. What he says is, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. And if you've been reading and paying attention to and listening to the story of the Bible, when you hear Jesus open his mouth and say, I will never leave you or forsake you, you know that this God means it. Because for centuries and centuries, he has loved and covenanted to himself a people that wander everywhere but in the direction he's called them, and he never forsakes them. What you and I are called to is not the fulfillment of God's mission all by ourselves. I'm saying this because when I was growing up in the church, the vision that I had was that I, personally, would be a part of a movement that would change the whole world. I didn't really think this, but I kind of did, probably because of me. I would be so captivating and compelling that I would launch a mission that would sweep at least the country, probably the world. And then I grew up, 
And I realized after I had one child and then two and then three and then four that at the end of the day, I was tired. I, I couldn't envision changing my bed sheets, much less the world. And what I needed to understand was that God's vision and understanding of changing the world in this way was about him and it's not about me. And the places that he sent me, me, are ordinary and everyday places. So it is not, I need to go do, we're about to see, uh, uh, some of our people are, are leaving to do. And if I can't do what they're doing, then it's nothing. I might as well just take a nap. God God may be sending you to the ends of the earth. And if he is, we want to help you, we want to send you, we want to cheer you on. The vast majority of the people in this room, God has sent you to your neighbor, your literal neighbor. You may not even know your neighbor's name. May recognize their face, but may not know their name. Don't know a thing about them. That is the best place to start. That you would love your neighbor as yourself. And in that surprising and simple way, the kingdom of God begins to invade the whole world. And all the peoples of the earth, including your neighbor, they will know that in Jesus they were meant to find every blessing they crave. If you are here today and you recognize, you see that you have found yourself following Jesus, but not like this, not on mission with him, not going with him, you are being invited. I'm not up here to tell you what a bad person you are. Because then I'd be also talking to myself, and that's very uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I also fail to live up to what Jesus calls me to. And the first thing you need to understand is Jesus loves failures like me and you. And when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, he was talking to you and to me from the moment we decided to follow him. He will keep his promise to you. The thing that might hold you back is different for every one of us. It might be fear. It might be a a lifestyle of comfort. It might be that you're repulsed by those people over there. I don't know what it is. But what I can tell you is, when you follow Jesus, you are blessed. When you walk alongside and behind him, You are living in the life of the blessing. What is ahead of you is good. And today, you ought to run towards it. And if today you are here because somebody has brought you, and you are living outside of the blessing of God, and you could be living a great life, to be clear. You could be happy, seemingly fulfilled, in your vocation, your personal relationships, and now you are hearing 
that actually the God has something different and better for you if you will turn aside from your own management of your life and instead come and follow him. What I'm telling you is the mission of God. God himself has moved towards you today, personally, so that you would come and find your life in Jesus. If you hear him today, do not harden your heart, but instead turn and come home to him and find your shelter under his roof. All of us together, wherever we may be, are meant to find our life in Jesus. And the life we find there surpasses any we can make and find for ourselves. It is our trust, our conviction, that he will prove his promises to be true, even to fickle people like us, until the end of the age. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you have not put yourself far off and bid us to come find our way towards you, but instead you have come towards us and invited us into your embrace. And God, I pray that we would be people who respond. Father, I pray that we as Christians, if we're loving you and following you, we would not be bound by selfishness or fear or hatred or bitterness, but instead we would move towards a life of free following after you. And God, I pray for those who are here today who are living life away from your blessing. They may be living a good life, they may be living a hard life, but they are living outside of the blessing that you promised to our father Abraham and delivered to us in the person of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would capture their hearts, that you would break their heart open, and that they would find that they were meant to live in your kingdom in the shadow of your wing. God, we thank you for this. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, your people. We pray that you would help us to faithfully respond from joy and freedom that the whole world will be filled with your glory as the waters cover the seas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.